Well, as you know, we finished up our uh, uh, series on the Gospel of John last Sunday, and today is December the 1st. And so that brings us to a brand new series, a Christmas series of about four weeks, and we're looking at this series called Retro Christmas, Retro Christmas. So you probably know retro, uh, what that means, uh, throwback, you know, in social media we have the throwback Thursdays or whatever, and, and so we throw back, and so we think about with the way Christmas used to be, sort of nostalgic. Uh, and as we think about that, I have a prop, I'll have a prop each Sunday for the next uh, uh, four Sundays, today included. Uh, and so what we have over here today as a prop is this glorious aluminum Christmas tree. Now, does anyone have one of these in their house that they set up every year? Okay, there's, there are, there's some people who actually are agreeing that they do have those. Okay, good. That's good. Uh, there were a couple there in the first service as well that, that had some and would, was honest enough to say that uh, they have those as well. Some are in the attic still, but some are being put up. And I wanted to show this because when I think about nostalgia and throwback, my mind automatically goes back to an aluminum Christmas tree. And, and, of course, you see the color wheel here, too. If the lights were dimmed, uh, you would see that the, 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 that the, uh, the colors on the tree uh, are not from the tree, but from the wheel that's projecting the color upon it. Uh, and I couldn't help but to think about this kind of Christmas tree because my grandparents, my, my mom's dad and his wife, had an aluminum Christmas tree in their home uh, when I was a kid. And here's what I thought about that aluminum Christmas tree. I hated it. I mean, I really did hate the thing because it just didn't look like a Christmas tree to us. Uh, it was in their living room. It was in the front of the big picture window, had the, the color wheel on it so that when people drive by, they could see the color of the, the Christmas tree. But I didn't really like it because uh, it had no decorations. It didn't have any lights on it. There was no star on top, and there were no presents underneath it. But what I also knew was that in their basement was a live Christmas tree. It was the real thing. The real tree was in their basement. And I loved that tree because it was fully decorated. It had lights all over it, and there were presents all under it. And that's where I wanted to be. Now, as we think about this aluminum Christmas tree today, I, I don't want to insult this little tree uh, and those who love these little trees. But I do want, want, to, want it to use it to help me to illustrate my point of what Christmas isn't. Now, I'm sure that given enough time and a little more creative thinking, I could probably use this very same tree to tell you what Christmas is. But I'm not doing that. So please don't send me any protest emails this week about this precious little tree, all right? But nevertheless, as we look at this, we're thinking about a retro Christmas. And we're going to throw back. We're going to throw back Christmas a few years. We're not going to go back to when this tree was first manufactured, which would have been in the 19. Late in the middle of the 1950s or 60s. No, we're going to go further back than that, even beyond the 1900s, the 1800s, even further back. As a matter of fact, we're going to throw back this retro Christmas all the way back to the first Christmas. And that's what the retro Christmas is about, that we get back to what the first Christmas was like. Amen? Because that's what really Christmas should stem from is what Christmas is all about and how it originated and how we have Christmas because we have a Savior. And so we're going to look at Matthew's account of the Christmas story. And we're going to look at Matthew chapter 1, verses 18, and then go through chapter 2 and read verse 12. And if you're able, in honor and reverence to the Word of God, if you'd please stand as I read this passage of Scripture for us this morning. Matthew 1, 
Starting in verse 18, going through 2, verse 12. And the Bible reads like this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. And then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she'll bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And so all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they should call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. And then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife, and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. And after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from these came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we've come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And so they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, For you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Well, then Herod, when he'd secretly called the wise men, he determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. And when they had heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they'd seen in the east, they went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they'd come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And then being divinely warmed in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word, and we pray that you take it now and apply it to our hearts and lives. Lord, not only this passage, but other scriptures will pull in today as well, as we understand what Christmas is and what it is not. So Lord, may you use this time to, to challenge us and to refocus us for this holiday season that we are about to step over into. So Lord, I pray that if there are those here that need to know you as Lord and Savior, this would be that hour of salvation. For those of us, Father, who do know you, maybe a time to reflect on our hearts and our lives. And Lord, walk away with a greater thinking, greater attitudes, greater life living before the people and for the world around us that points people to Jesus. Lord, now may the words of my mouth, meditation, my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you. You may be seated. If you, you see, if you picked up a bulletin, you have the outline. We're going to follow that along. If not, we have the app, the MPBC Life app, and we will follow that along to fill in these lines to see what Christmas isn't. But you'll also see that there's a place to see that what it is as well. But the first thing that we want to see here is we want to see what Christmas isn't. And the first point that we want to see is that Christmas isn't about commercialism. That Christmas isn't about commercialism. Or commercialization, that's probably the better word, commercialization. Now, as we think about this aluminum Christmas tree over here, we can't help but to think about some commercialization. And so, 
The aluminum Christmas tree, as we mentioned already, was first manufactured sometime around 1955 and remained popular into the 1960s, and, but it fell out of popularity in the middle of 1960, somewhere around 1965, and they, uh, the mass production of these aluminum Christmas trees can be uh, traced back to around 1967. And many who are the, who are the uh, authorities, the experts in this type of industry, they credit the demise of the aluminum Christmas tree to one event that took place in the 1960s. Do you want to know what that event was that brought about the demise of the alum, aluminum Christmas tree? Well, I'm going to tell you. The Charlie Brown Christmas Show. 1965, the Charlie Brown Christmas show. I don't know if you remember or not, but Charlie Brown, the aluminum Christmas tree was used in that special to show as a symbol of the over-commercialization of Christmas. And so as we think about that and we think about what Christmas isn't for us who are believers in Jesus Christ, as we enter into this Christmas season, many of us, if not all of us, will at some point become distraught over the over-commercialization of Christmas. Some, at some point, we may get fed up with the bargains that really aren't. Or we will tire of the endless lines or the terrible traffic. We will fret over the schedules that we all need to juggle. Or we will make our list and check it twice and make sure that we have bought all the gifts and every part of our family that we're supposed to and then realize an hour before we head out that we forgot poor cousin Matilda. <laughs> so we undoubtedly at some point will shrug our shoulders and sigh at the commercialization of Christmas of what should be a holy time. Amen? And so as we think about a Charlie Brown Christmas that had such an impact on the aluminum Christmas tree, you remember that in that show, Lucy implores Charlie Brown to get a big, shiny aluminum tree, maybe even painted pink, she said, for the group's nativity play. And Charlie Brown goes, on a goes to a tree lot, and while he's there, he laments the commercialization of Christmas. He's surrounded there with Linus by many huge aluminum trees. And, and in the midst of that, he purchases not an aluminum tree, but a small, scrawny, natural tree on a whim instead. And he takes that little tree, and then as he takes that tree, he learns what Christmas is all about. And wouldn't you know it, we just happen to have that clip this morning. So let's take a look. This really brings Christmas close to a person. Fantastic. Gee, do they still make wooden Christmas trees? This little green one here seems to need a home. I don't know, Charlie Brown. Remember what Lucy said? This doesn't seem to fit the modern spirit. I don't care. We'll decorate it, and it'll be just right for our play. Besides, I think it needs me. You've been dumb before, Charlie Brown. 
But this time you really did it. <laughs> what a treat. I guess you were right, Linus. I shouldn't have picked this little tree. Everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. That's what Christmas is all about, Mount Pleasant, right? It isn't about commercialization. It's about incarnation. Now, that's a, that's a big word. You can handle it. I, I trust you, all right? It's about incarnation, and that word simply means this, that God comes to the earth to save us from our sins, that the eternal Son of God entered physically into our world and became one of us, the incarnation, God with us. And so Linus gave the story from the Gospel of Luke, but what we've seen this morning, let's look again from the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 1, verses 20 through 23. It says that while he, that's Joseph, thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you should call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And so all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they should call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. And so, friends, listen. Here's the reality of what Christmas isn't. Christmas isn't about commercialization. But here's the reality, and let's throw it back. It's not about the gifts or the gathering and the goodies, but it's about the one true gift, the indescribable gift, the gift of God's Son, Jesus, God with us. It's not about commercialization. It's about incarnation. So just, just think about this. Just think about what has taken place that very first Christmas morning or night, whenever it took place, that first Christmas. That the one who created the universe, the one who put the sun and the moon and the stars in their place, the one who the prophet Ezekiel says, whose voice is like the sound of many waters and the earth shines with his glory. The one that the psalmist claims whose very presence causes the mountains to melt like wax. 
The very one that John the Revelator says whose glory outshines the sun. It is this God who is holy, holy, holy. This God, the Lord God Almighty, who was and is to come, who left the splendor and the glory and the majesty of heaven and came to earth as Emmanuel, God with us. This is the prophecy that had been presented 700 years before by the prophet Isaiah. Well, Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 7, 14, that therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And now what we see that first Christmas, as we throw it back to that first Christmas, that that's exactly how it happened, as recorded in Luke and announced by the angels and declared by Linus this morning, right? So Mary's miraculous conception as a virgin was, has fulfilled Isaiah's prophecy, and her son would truly be Emmanuel, God with us. And so as we walk through this Christmas season, today's December the 1st. We've got 24 more days until Christmas Day. As we walk through Christmas, and there is going to be a lot of commercialization all around us and vying for our attention and pulling us in so many different directions. May we have correct thoughts about what Christmas is. May we bring our thoughts into captivity, if you will. As a matter of fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, where, where Paul is talking about a spiritual warfare that we have as believers, and indeed, as we live our lives, it is a spiritual warfare that we're fighting against the flesh and fighting against the world. And he says this, that for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Watch this. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And so as we walk into this Christmas holiday, may we ask the Lord to help us to bring every thought into captivity, that Christmas is not about the commercialization, but rather it's about the incarnation. That's God with us, Emmanuel, the one who left the glory and the splendor of heaven for us. And so as we walk into Christmas, Christmas should not leave us, listen, Christmas should not leave us feeling exhausted but rather we should leave Christmas feeling elated. Christmas shouldn't cause us to have worry, but rather as we think about Christmas, it should cause us to have wonder. It shouldn't cause us to have anxiety, but rather it should cause us to have awe. And why is that? Because God became flesh and he dwelt among us. Man, I can't understand that. But I'm so glad he did. Amen. Let us not become disgruntled or disgusted or distraught, but rather let us delight in what has happened. And what has happened? Well, let me tell you in another verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's what God has done for us. You see, God loved us enough to send his only begotten son. And we had to think of it this way. Think of it that he didn't send a committee. He didn't write a book. He didn't send a substitute. But when God got ready to save the world, he sent his best, his one and only son. And in sending Jesus, he was really sending himself. And this is the awesome, wonderful, marvelous truth of Christmas that Emmanuel is God with us. 
You know, friends, I don't know about you, but I have a hard time wrapping that around my brain. That the God of the universe would love us that much to send Jesus, his son, to come. To save us from our sins, to reconcile us to our God. I couldn't help but to think of a song, an old song, that's called, Oh, the Wonder of It All. It goes, there's the wonder of sunset at evening. The wonder at sunrise I see. But the wonder of wonders that thrills my soul is the wonder that God loves me. Oh, the wonder of it all, the wonder of it all, just to think that God loves me. Beloved, may we, as we move into Christmas, may we capture our thoughts when we get so pulled into the ideas of commercialization and remember that it's about the incarnation. That Jesus came. So what Christmas isn't, it isn't commercialization, but it is incarnation. Secondly, it isn't about imitation. It isn't about imitation. Now at Christmas, we see a lot of imitation. There are a lot of imitation trees. In your house, maybe you don't have a live tree, but you have a, an artificial tree. That's another word for an imitation tree, right? So there's a lot of imitation trees. A lot of these, all these trees up here are their imitation. And maybe in your house, um, you, when you do some uh, cooking, you're going to see some imitation vanilla <laughs> and some imitation other flavors, right? Or imitation snow when you're decorating. You spray that stuff around on your windows. What else? Some imitation snow. But maybe in your home you see some imitation niceness. Whoa, what are you, what are you talking about, Pastor? Imitation niceness. I was reading this week on Thanksgiving. There was an article on Fox News this week that said this, quote, People get sick of family after about four hours during the holidays, unquote. And so what happens is there's a lot of imitation niceness after four hours and five minutes, I guess. There's a lot of imitation niceness even among families. And so that brings us back to this aluminum tree over here. It's an imitation. Now, it portrays itself as something that's not. If you, the lights were dimmed, you would see that it has different colors on it. You would see yellow, I mean red, and, and orange, and, and purple, and green, what have you. But in reality, it's not there because it's just an imitation. It's projecting that light onto it. It puts forth the idea of being a colorful tree, but in reality, it's just a plain tree that imitates being a colorful tree because of that which is shining on it. And those trees are... Don't get me wrong, these are great little trees, okay? Just not, they're not the real thing, you got me? And so as we look at things being imitation, maybe that's some of you here today. Maybe that's some of you at Christmas and holidays. Putting forth the idea that you're something that you're not. And so as you come together at the gatherings and the parties and the get-togethers and the eats and the fun things that we do together... You want everything to be just perfect, so even though you and that crazy uncle are like oil and water, you're going to be nice and just get along. Or even though there is a strained relationship, you're going to hold your tongue and you're just praying that they don't start something with you. I understand that. I, I get that. But beloved, listen, Christmas isn't about imitation. But you know, that's what we're good at doing, imitating. We want our Christmas to be 
like the ones from the past. We, we want everything to be just so. We, we want everybody to get along. And we want to post our happy pictures on social media. We want it to seem one way when in reality it's another. We want it to seem that we got all of our lives together when in reality we're a mess. We want it to seem that we have joy when in reality we just want to get through it without an explosion. But the truth is this, is that we are all broken people. Can I get a witness? We're all broken people. We all have real problems in a sin-sick world. But far too often, Christmas isn't all it seems to be. There can be a whole lot of imitation and a whole lot of pretending. Christmas has a tendency to take us to the height of hypocrisy. All that glitters is not gold. And all that is shiny is not silver. It's aluminum, all right? (laughs) But as we think about the pretending and the hypocrisy, we see that even in this early Christmas story as well. Because there's definitely some pretending and some hypocrisy going on in our Christmas story from the Gospel of Matthew. Did you notice what the Scripture said there? Once the Magi see the star in the east, they come to Jerusalem. And in chapter 2, verse 2, they say this, that where he... They say, where is he who's been born king of the Jews? For we've seen his star in the east, and we've come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and all the scribes, all these religious leaders of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And so they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And so then Herod, when he'd secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem, and he said, watch this, go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. Well, Herod here is not being truthful. He is pretending to be something he is not. Herod is a wicked leader. He, he is very hard. He, he does not have any self-confidence about himself. He's always worried about what people are going to do to take over his kingdom. And he, is going to, he, wants, he doesn't want to come and worship Jesus. He wants him dead. He wants him out of the way. But he's not the only one who's pretending, who's the, at the height of hypocrisy in our story as well. As we finish out the, that verse, verse 9 says, When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And who went? It was just the Magi. You would think that the religious leaders who knew the prophecy would have wanted to jump on the bandwagon and go with them, wouldn't you? But they don't. They don't go to where the Messiah is prophesied to be born. They don't go just five miles down the road to see the very Son of God to worship Him themselves. A lot of pretending, a lot of hypocrisy, right? But you know, that's been a problem for a long time. People pretending to be something that they're not. Even from the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, from that very first sin in the Garden when Adam and Eve wanted to cover up what they had done. To throughout the Old Testament where we see the children of Israel who were constantly being called to repent of all their hypocrisy by the prophets telling them to repent and turn back to the Lord. To even in the New Testament in Jesus, 
in Matthew chapter 23, where he condemns hypocrisy, we see it over and over, but we just want us to look at this particular passage where he really gives it to those hypocrites, the scribes and Pharisees. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside they're full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first cleanse the inside of the cup and the dish, and then that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed, watch this, appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, you also appear, outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. You see, this problem's been going on for a long time. Well, people have been hypocrites and have been pretending to be something that they're not. And indeed, when we pretend to be something that we are not here in, in our homes at Christmas time, it is the height of hypocrisy. And so what we look at here is how do we appear? Is it just an outward appearance or is there something deep within us that has really changed us? So as Christmas is upon us, and we are challenged by those crazy uncles that we're going to have to deal with and all the things that we're going to have to juggle to go through life for this Christmas season. May we be challenged to examine our hearts. And may we remember that Christmas, now watch, Christmas isn't about imitation, but it is about adoration. Okay? It isn't about imitation, but it is about adoration. And so we're to have this attitude of adoring this babe that's been born in Bethlehem, who lived a sinless life, who died on the cross for our sins, who was buried in a bar tomb, who rose again bodily from the grave, and is coming again. Amen? We're to adore, have this attitude of adoration as we move throughout this Christmas season. No matter what it is that we face, no matter whatever it is that we deal with, that we have this attitude of adoration. It's bowing before the King of Kings who was born as a babe in Bethlehem. We see that with the Magi, the wise men, in verses 10 and 11 of chapter 2. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. When they'd come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary's mother. They fell down, they worshipped him. And when they'd opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold and frankincense and myrrh. You see, when we experience, listen, when we experience Jesus, he changes us. And as he changes us, it causes us to worship him. And so as we enter into this Christmas season, December the 1st today, ask yourself, what's in your heart and your mind and your soul this Christmas? Is it a heart that adores the one who came for you? I mean, listen, we are not to be people who pretend to love the Lord or pretend to love other people. We're to be the ones who do love the Lord. And by loving him with all of our heart, mind, and soul, then we're enabled to love other people too, even those crazy uncles. Amen? We're still able, we're enabled to do that because we want to because of the love of Christ. So are we more like the religious leaders of that day or are we more like the Magi? In Titus chapter 1, verse 16, it also speaks of such people who have a profession but have no possession. The Bible there says that they profess, these kinds of people profess to know God, but they deny Him by their works. They're detestable, disobedient, unfit, or disqualified, the New King James says, of no use for any good work. 
So it's not about imitation. It's about adoration. The Magi came and they brought gifts to Jesus of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Beloved, listen. Let us also bring all that we are and lay them at the feet of Jesus. And hear me now. Don't wait until December the 25th to do that. Do that today. Let's bring all that we are to the feet of Jesus. Bring it before him and lay it before him. So how do I have this right attitude during all that I'm going to be facing in the midst of Christmas? During this holiday rush, uh, rushing and going about, how do I have the right attitude? You keep in mind of who he is and what he's done. That for unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. That's who he is. He's made a difference in our lives, so we adore him. Remember last week, the last week of the Gospel of John in chapter 21, we looked at the life of Peter. And Jesus asked Peter three questions, and we need to ask ourselves those questions. Do you really love Jesus? Do you really adore him? Is life really about him? Or is all that you're doing all about a show? Because here's what you need to know, friends, is that this babe who was born in Bethlehem, the eternal Son of God, Emmanuel, who is God with us, who came in the incarnation, Jesus did not come for theatrics. He did not come for a show, and he did not come for you to play nice. He came to save us and to reconcile us to himself and to change us and to give us life. And so may we genuinely love the Lord and, and follow the Lord and adore the Lord and reveal the Lord to a lost and dying world. Let's not lose sight of what Christmas is as we're struggling with what it isn't. It isn't about imitation. It is about adoration. And so may we have the attitude of adoring Jesus in all we say and do. What, Christ, what Christmas isn't, Christmas isn't about commercialization. It is about the incarnation. So we need to think the right thoughts and be in wonder at awe of who God is and what he's done. And it isn't about imitation. It's about adoration, having the right attitude and worshiping him in all things. And then thirdly, it isn't about decoration. Christmas isn't about decoration. Now, as we think about it, let's come over to our aluminum tree, all right? Come to our aluminum Christmas tree. It has one purpose, decoration, right? That's all, that's all the purpose is of that, it's decoration. It has no other purpose. It cannot bear fruit. It can shed a few things, but it can't bear fruit, right? It cannot bring oxygen into the air. It cannot do anything to help sustain life or give life. It is simply a dead decoration. Now, don't get me wrong. I love decorations. I, I, I love wreaths. I love lights. I love trees. I love those things. At our house, our trees are up, but they're not decorated. And I have been informed that today is the day of that. And I look forward to it. I love decorations. I love them on the house and in the house. I love decorations. But understand, decorations are not Christmas. Christmas isn't about decoration. It is about transformation. So Christmas isn't about decoration. It is about transformation. 
as we think about transformation, let me get my good old friend Charlie Brown to help me with this point as we watch this clip. Behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Linus is right. I won't let all this commercialism ruin my Christmas. First prize? Oh, well, this commercial dog is not going to ruin my Christmas. I've killed it. Oh, everything I touch gets ruined. such a bad little tree. It's not bad at all, really. Maybe it just needs a little love. Charlie Brown is a blockhead, but he did get a nice tree. So we see a transformation has taken place, that pitiful little tree, into something much more glorious, much more beautiful. Would you agree? Amen? Well, did you notice a couple things about what was said in that? Number one, Charlie Brown said this. He said, everything I touch gets ruined. And the truth is that we need to know that that's exactly how we are, that there's nothing that we can do to change us at all, that we are ruined apart from Jesus. Amen? That we can do nothing to transform ourselves. See, the tree was being transformed, but Charlie Brown said, I can't do it. Everything I touch is ruined. And that's the way it is for us. We can't transform ourselves. There's no way we can do that. But rather, someone else must step in to transform us. And that someone else is Jesus, who was sent in the form of a little babe in Bethlehem, and a Savior was born. Piper puts it this way. He says, we are cripples leaning on the cross-shaped crutch of Jesus Christ that we're paralytics living minute by minute in the iron lung of God's mercy. The truth of the matter, friends, is that we can do nothing to change our situation. Only Jesus can. And we need a Savior. We need Jesus. But also, you notice, Linus took his blanket, wrapped around the little tree. He said, it's not a bad little tree. All it really needed was just a little love. But the truth is, is that we're not a little tree. And we're not a little bit bad, but we're sinners, and we're really bad people. And we don't need just a little bit of love with a blanket wrapped around a tree to transform us. But we need a great love and a love that was sacrificed on a tree for us. Amen? 
That's the kind of love that has come through Jesus Christ as he was born a babe but lived a sinless life and went to the tree, the cross of Calvary, to save us from our sins. That's what Matthew 1.21 says, that she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Beloved, that's transformation. When he saves us from our sins, that's transformation. So our purpose is not just to be a decoration. Our purpose is transformation. And we see in 2 Corinthians 3.18 these words, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in the mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So we are being transformed by the Lord. He has transformed us. He has saved us. He has redeemed us. And He has transformed us. And so may we seek not just to be some decoration, checking off all the boxes, but rather may we be instead instruments of transformation. Amen? And not only at Christmas, but may we be instruments of of transformation all year long. Don't just be a mere decoration, a dead decoration that bears no fruit, but rather be an instrument of transformation and be used of God to point people to Him. So Christmas isn't about commercialization, it's about incarnation. So may we capture our thoughts as we enter into uh, this Christmas season. And it isn't about imitation, it's all about adoration. So may we have an attitude of adoring Him and worshiping the Lord as we walk through this Christmas holiday. And it isn't about decoration, but it is about transformation. So may we live that life out of being transformed in front of people as we point them to Him. And so here's one to do. Don't miss Christmas. Don't miss Christmas. You say, well, I'm planning on being around December 25th. I'm not going to miss it, preacher. I assure you of that. No, no, that's all I'm talking about. Don't miss what Christmas is all about. Today's December the 1st. We've got 24 more days. 23 days if you can include Christmas Eve as being part of Christmas. But here's the question I want to ask you this morning. When we come to Christmas, December 24th through 25th, are you going to be any closer to Jesus Christ on that day than what you are today? Are you going to be further away from him? I mean, our goal is to be more like him and more in love with him, right? And so as we navigate the waters of a Christmas holiday season, whether it's been a tough year or not, whether it's been a bountiful year or a time where we've struggled, when we come to December the 25th, how will we have maneuvered Christmas? Are we going to be more like Jesus Are we going to be more in love with Jesus or not? I challenge you that as we go through these next few weeks, that that's your plan, that's your goal, that when you come to Christmas, you will not have missed it, but that you've watched for him, you've captured your thoughts, you've had the right attitude of adoring Jesus Christ, and that you're living this life of being transformed in front of the people around you. No matter where you are, whether it's in the lines or in the traffic or with your crazy Uncle Harry, whatever it may be, may we live those transformed lives before people. Amen? Because it's all about Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that you'd have your way in our hearts and our lives today. Lord, that we would walk away from this service this morning with a determination in our hearts that we will not let the world steal our joy.
that we will not let the devil take a hold of what is to be our delight, which is Jesus. So, Father, I pray that you'd help us to walk away today, capturing our thoughts, helping us to remember that it's the incarnation where God, the creator of the universe, came and dwelt among us. That we'll have this attitude of adoring you in wonder of it all, that you love us this much, and that we will live this life out, transformed beings by your spirit within us, not seeking to be some dead decoration, but people who are alive bearing fruit for the gospel that Jesus saves. That babe that was born in Bethlehem came to save sinners just like me. Lord, may we point other people to you who also need to know this truth. Lord, may you have your way in our hearts and lives as we come to this invitation. For those who need to say, I need Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I've never trusted him by faith. I want him to save me from my sin, to give me hope and to transform my life. If there are those here today, Lord, who've never trusted you, may they come as we sing in a moment. Take one of the pastors here by the hand and say, I need Jesus to be the Lord of my life. For those of us who, who know you as Savior, Lord, the invitation is just for us as well. It's also for us. That, Lord, we would use this time as you are calling us to make a renewed commitment to keep you first in all things. That you would have your way in our lives as we walk through these the next two, three weeks that are headed to Christmas, but that it wouldn't start Christmas Day, that it would begin today. That we'd be more in love with you and more like you. So Lord, give us that determination today. And may you guide us in all that we say and do. For your glory and honor and praise we pray in Jesus' name.